Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, we're talking with Jen Stevens. She is the author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle and Feast Without Fear, Food and the Delay, Don't Denial Lifestyle. She lives in Augusta, Georgia, where she has been following an intermittent fasting lifestyle since 2014. So, Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here with you today. So what what has inspired you to, to write these books and follow down this path? Well, um, that's a great question. You know, I um, just a little background about me. I have been an elementary teacher for 28 years, so I am a, a regular person just like um, all of you. And like many of you or many of your listeners, I was on kind of like the diet roller coaster really for decades from the time I was a teenager and not even needing to lose weight, but interested in diets, and it felt like something I should be doing because everyone was doing it, right? Um, and then, you know, as I went into my adulthood, started having some weight gain here and there, dieted it back off and back and forth over the years. Um, eventually, though, it got harder and harder to lose the weight. I was gaining more and more weight, and I got up to 210 pounds, Um at my heaviest, which was in 2014. And so I just realized I needed to do something different. And that is when I really embraced the intermittent fasting lifestyle and was able to lose 75 pounds and then have gone on to lose even more since then over over what has been maintenance. But uh, I was just so, I guess, excited about intermittent fasting that I started a Facebook support group. And the group grew and grew, and people, you know, were asking the same questions over and over again. So we had a pinned post. Are you in any groups like that? Am I? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think we're we're all familiar with with how the social media um, support groups work. I think they're really helpful as well, you know, to you're on a journey and you, you don't feel like you're on your own and you're getting, you know, that support that you need while you're doing it, especially with weight loss and diet things. Exactly. I think it's very difficult. Exactly. Yeah. So I, yeah. I had this Facebook support group, and we had what we call a pinned post that has all the information about, you know, the, the intermittent fasting in the group. And I, you know, was leading this group, and people kept asking the same questions over and over. And I would say, well, you know, maybe I should add this to the pinned post. And <laughs> the pinned post kept getting longer and longer and longer. Um, and at the same time, I had friends in my real life who had, you know, seen my weight loss journey and. At this point, I was over a year into maintenance, and they were realizing, you know, not only did I finally lose the weight, but I was keeping it off. So they started asking how to do it. And so there were a couple of books out there that I would send them to, but I'd say, well, now here's a good book, but here's something, you know, don't do it like that, or here's some suggestions, you know, don't follow this part of it. And so um, basically I decided, you know, I need to write something that I could hand to my friends. And I want it to sound like I'm talking to my friends. I don't want it to be intimidating. You know, I'm like I said, I'm a teacher. So I have the ability to take complex information and teach it to elementary kids. So um, I wrote a book that I wish someone had handed me when I was, you know, getting started with intermittent fasting. You know, I did a lot of things wrong in the beginning. Um, I learned as I went. And I've really learned with the people in the Facebook support groups. You know, we had... Um, a very small number of, of members. Now we're almost at 90,000 combined. And it's just, you know, the book happened accidentally. I wasn't, I, I never set out to write a book. I was like, I'm not going to, I never thought I would grow an intermittent fasting community <laughs> of people from around the world. But it just kind of happened accidentally. And I'm just thrilled about how it's gone. 
So um, I, I want to go back to you where you were, you know, gaining weight and, and doing the yo-yo dieting. And, you know, I think that's something everybody's familiar with. I mean, we're, we we all struggle not only with our self-image, but also with trying, you know, we try to fit into these boxes. What what do you think is is causing our, our weight gain? You know, it happens as we get older, but now it's happening when people are younger as well. So what, what are you observing, especially being part of this group? What are people's stories like and what's happening out there? Well, I think that, you know, it's, it's certainly a complex issue that has so many different factors that come together and make the perfect storm of, of what we have right now is the obesity epidemic. And, you know, I'm watching it in action as an elementary teacher, watching our kids. You know, I remember when I started teaching in 1990, you know, every now and then a kid would be overweight. But now it's very, very common for kids to be overweight. And, you know, obviously something is changing. I think it, it boils down to how frequently we're eating, what we're eating, you know, the food-like products that everyone eats. You know, these kids are snacking constantly. Um, their parents send, you know, three snacks to get them through the school day, plus they have breakfast, plus they have lunch, and they're eating a lot of refined food. So I think it, it goes to a lot with how frequently we're eating and our bodies never have a chance to rest from the constant eating. So what we're eating is, is a factor. Also, when I was writing my second book, Feast Without Fear, I did a lot of research into the gut microbiome, and that is just so important in, in health in more ways than just obesity, but just in health in general. And so I think that the refined foods that we're eating, you know, returning to fast foods and not real foods, that allows us to grow an unhealthy gut microbiome, and so many health issues come out of that. So it's, it's like I said, it's kind of like the perfect storm for obesity. You know, our hormones are all out of whack. You know, we're eating constantly. People, I mean, I really think a lot of the problem is with adults, coffee beverages. <laughs> think about <laughs> how you see people where they always have, like, from, you know, the first thing in the morning, they're all drinking their sweetened coffee, even if it's sweetened with artificial sweeteners makes our bodies release insulin all the time and gets us into fat storage mode instead of fat burning mode. Well, I want to talk about the, the snacking. Um, you know, this right. is this is something that we've been told for for years is going to boost our metabolism. And you know, now right. we're looking at that that that's not so. But you know, whenever it comes up in conversation, I find it's still uh, new information for people. So maybe you can explain why you know snacking isn't what we're told it is. Yeah, I mean. Our bodies are not meant to be constantly digesting food nonstop, and that's not how we're designed. You know, our bodies, we, you know, we eat. Our body releases hormones in response to, you know, to deal with the food, and then we are supposed to have a period of time where we digest the food, and then we're supposed to eat again and so forth. But we've gotten to the point where we're constantly in the fed state um, from, you know, the time people wake up till the time they go to bed, and so... Our bodies are constantly, we eat, our body pumps out the insulin, then our blood glucose drops, because that's what insulin does. Then we eat again, pump out more insulin, blood glucose drops. So it's that constant roller coaster. You know, we've, we've been there. I remember when I used to, um, before I followed an intermittent fasting lifestyle, I was in that same, you know, trap. I would have breakfast because we were supposed to. We were told it was to, you know, get our metabolism revved up. And then within a couple hours, I needed a latte. I needed something because I was, you know, hungry and shaky or whatever. My, my blood glucose had dropped, so I would have that latte. And then I was watching the clock waiting for lunch. And then, again, after lunch, I would have that drop. And so my body only knew how to run off of blood glucose that I was constantly, you know, feeding in all day long. And then um, when, I, when I learned about intermittent fasting and I read about it, I realized, you know, I'm 210 pounds. I have a lot of stored energy on my body right now. So why is my body not able to tap into that? Well, it was because I was constantly, you know, feeding something into it. So with intermittent fasting, you take a break from eating. And so your body is able to finally tap into your fat stores. Now, this doesn't happen like day one when you start intermittent fasting. Your body's going to be like, what? <laughs> where's my Where's my source of energy? And and that's a little tricky, but over time, 
as you adapt to it, your body learns how to tap into your fat stores. And then you realize, oh, this is, you know, how the day is supposed to be. You're supposed to go through the day with good energy instead of the constant roller coasters and ups and downs. So it just, I, I think this is really the state our bodies are supposed to be in, able to shift from the energy from a meal. You know, if I eat a meal, my body uses that. And then when I'm done with the meal, my body is able to shift into, into more of the fat-burning state. I think our bodies are supposed to be metabolically flexible like that. But instead, our, um, our culture of constant snacking has trained us to just only be, you know, I've, I've heard it referred to as being sugar burners. That's all we were able to do. Well, and it, it sounds like, you know, if we're constantly on that roller coaster, the reason why we're snacking is because we're crashing from our last meal. Right. And either our first response is, okay, I'm tired, I must be hungry. And, right. uh, you know, from, from the research I've done with fasting, true hunger doesn't feel the way we actually think hunger does. You know, with, with that, that fatigue and that crash, um, it, it feels a little bit different. That's exactly right. And also you learn that, you, know, you may have that sensation that we think of as hunger, but it's just like a little growl, and it, it comes in waves, and then it, it goes away, and it, it's mild. It doesn't, like, keep building and building and getting worse and worse and worse all day long, <laughs> as, you know, people think it will, but it just, you know, it comes and goes, and then you're fine. Well, you know, I, I started um, fasting a couple of times a week after I did a, a show with Jason Fung in December of, of 2016. And you actually talk about him in your book, which was pretty exciting. Yeah. And, you know, I, I thought, um, and I'm sure a lot of people listening, if they haven't tried this, that, that fasting wasn't healthy and, you know, you're supposed to be eating. And um, and then I started to do it. And, and I found um, that the, my biggest barrier was actually emotional. And, you know, oh, by not eating, yeah, there was anxiety around not eating, which I think a lot of people experience because some people, you know, and I'm like, well, maybe you should try doing this. They think I'm a little crazy. Um, and, and I think it is that that emotional feeling We're we're so scared of being hungry that that we're eating too much. And, you know, it, it could be yeah. a fear that's developed in our life. But I think it's also a very primal fear <laughs> that, you know, why would I go without food if I have it in front of me, <laughs> which, which makes exactly. sense. If, if you look back to how our lives used to be where we were hungry sometimes and then we had plentiful food other times when, when things weren't, you know, available in grocery stores. Right. Our bodies are designed to deal with feast and famine. You know, and, and, you know, we're not supposed to be in constant famine. That's not good either. But we're also not supposed to be in constant feast. <laughs> that's just not natural. And that, that's leading to so many of the problems we have today. You know, people do think it sounds extreme when, when they first hear about fasting. But the, the thing that's the most exciting to me now with these support groups is when people join, they're joining because their mom has been doing it or their daughter has been doing it or their sister has been doing it or their, their dad told them about it or husbands join after their wives were doing it. And so people are, are feeling so good living this lifestyle that they're telling their close friends and loved ones about it and then they start doing it too. And then there's this ripple effect. You know, how many times did my husband join me on, a, on one of my crazy diets? Zero. <laughs> <laughs> over the years when I was doing diets, because he's, he's never needed to diet. He's one of those naturally thin people <laughs> that they do. So annoying. He doesn't have to work yeah, at yeah. it. It is. He just always stopped eating when he was full, and he still mm-hmm. does, right? But um, so he never understood diets at all. But um, he now does intermittent fasting with me. Not to lose weight. He didn't need to lose weight. But he's so sold on the health benefits. He's watched me go from someone who had you know, seasonal allergies and inflammation. And it was so bad that I was, you know, taking allergy medication every day. And in the pollen season, I was taking two different medications and it was miserable to the point that I haven't even had to have allergy medication in two or three years now. Um, He's watched me get so much healthier and more youthful. And so he's convinced of the health benefits. So he now eats within an eight hour window every day, um, just because of the health benefits. And he, he's yeah. got a PhD in medicinal chemistry, so he's he's a hard person to convince. <laughs> he is convinced. Well, we're going to talk about um, the details of the fasting more. We are going to take a quick break. We're talking today okay. with, with Jen Stevens. Um, she's the author of Delay, Don't Deny, and Feast Without Fear. So we'll be back shortly. 
your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Everything is energy. It's all connected. Your energy can be seen as the foundation for your life and impacts all areas of living. Do you realize that your thoughts have the power to affect how you show up? Tune in for Healthy Energy with Margot, featuring host Margot Nielsen. Margot and her guests will show you that connecting to your energy is vital to your health, relationships, money, and more. Listen live every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Jen Stevens. She is the author of Delay, Don't Deny, and Peace Without Fear. So, so Jen, one thing I want to talk about, we talked about what snacking and overeating can do, but there's the other extreme with calorie restriction, which is what most diets do. And, you know, in your book, you talk a lot about your journey and all the weight loss things that you tried. And, um, you know, you, you do talk about this. And so what exactly does do those, those calorie restrictive diets, what do they do to us over time? Well, that's a great question. And basically... The, the body is so smart. If it thinks that we are starving, then it can lower our metabolic rate. And so when we're on a, a typical diet, like um, one that, that many of us have tried that involves, you know, small meals spread out during the day where you're counting your calories. And I remember the number, the magic number I always tried to stick to when I was doing those types of diets was 1,200 calories. You know, I guess I read somewhere that was what what you needed to eat to lose weight. So you start off with your little tiny little breakfast, and then you have your zero-calorie whatever to tide you over and your tiny little snacks. Um, what happens is your body senses these, you're eating, you know, small amounts of food. And over time, you know, first you lose weight. It's great. Over time, your body's like, wait a minute, we must be having a famine. So your body slows down your metabolic rate. That's when you know, the low-calorie diet stops working and people have to lower their calories even more or they plateau or they might start to have rebound weight gain. Um, we're familiar with the TV show, The Biggest Loser, and they've actually done a research study with those people that participated in the show. All, all they were doing was, you know, low-calorie dieting and working out really, really hard and losing massive amounts of weight. And it was, you know, amazing to watch. But the, the dirty little secret is, after the show is over, these people regain the weight. And, you know, is it just because they all go back to their old ways of eating? And, of course, that's why they gain the weight, because they're weak. And they, actually, the answer is no. Um, these low-calorie restrictive diets that are, are typical have damaged the metabolism. And then their metabolic rate remains damaged for years after they're off the show. So they're actually having to maintain on lower amounts of calories than would have been predicted for their new weight. I mean, of course, a smaller body doesn't need as much food, but they need less food than someone who had not done the dieting and weighed that same amount. So that's that's what we want to avoid. Now, the beauty of 
fasting, there there have been some studies on what happens with our metabolic rate with fasting, and so we think, gosh, you know, fasting must be worse. Our metabolism must completely crash from that. And actually, the surprising answer is no. Um, they've done studies with a fast of one of them that's famous in the intermittent fasting world. It's up to 72 hours. And they find that as the fast continues, the metabolic rate actually goes up over the course of the time. Um, it, it keeps going up and up and up. Eventually, as, as it gets to a certain point, it starts to come back down a little bit. So at 72 hours, the metabolic rate is not as at its peak anymore, but it's still higher than it was at the baseline. So intermittent fasting doesn't lower the metabolic rate. It actually speeds it up slightly, which is a big bonus for us. And the key is, as I mentioned before, it's what your body thinks is happening. You know, when you're on that low-calorie diet and you're constantly eating a little bit here and there, your body can't get into your fat stores because I mentioned insulin before. So, the, you know, you're constantly spiking your insulin with these little small meals and you're not ever getting really to dip down deep into those fat stores. But with fasting, you keep your insulin low because you're fasting and you're not eating at all during um, certain parts of the day. And then finally, your body can see, oh, all this fat is there. And, you know, the regulatory systems in your body are pretty amazing when we let them work um, and when we're not, you know, messing them up by our constant snacking and the, the constant um, eating all day long. So then we're able to access our fat stores. We're burning the fat. We feel good. We have good energy. And then our body does not sense that we're having any kind of um, famine or that we need any kind of metabolic slowdown because our body can finally see that all that fat is there for us to use, which is why it's there to start with. <laughs> we're supposed to be able to access that fat. So... Um you know, I want to talk about now what this means. I mean, you and I know what intermittent fasting is, but I know um, for some people, you know, they're probably kind of freaking out a little bit or, or whatever. So I'll just have you explain to us what we mean, especially by intermittent fasting, which is right. something a little different. So if you can explain that for us. Okay. Well, of course, intermittent means, you know, it's not constant. It's here and it's there. So with intermittent fasting, um, really some people have suggested, um, of course, it's too late now because the word's already out there, but some people say it would be better if we called it intermittent feasting, <laughs> which is sound <laughs> less scary because we hear the word fasting and we think, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm just going to die of starvation. I'm going to collapse. I'm going to be shaky. And really nothing is farther from the truth. But with intermittent fasting, you have periods of the day where you are not eating and giving your body time to tap into your fat source. Also, it's when your body can do its repair. It's not having to focus on digestion, so it's able to get in there and do some cellular cleanup type activities, which is great for us. More about that later, I'm sure. We'll talk about that. But um, then you have a period of the day where you concentrate all of your eating, and we call that your eating window. Um, another another phrase for intermittent fasting is time-restricted eating, and that also sounds a little more gentle. You know, people who don't want to say they're fasting can just say, oh, I follow a time-restricted eating plan and I eat during certain parts of the day. Um, and so you choose an eating window and you, you have all of your food within that period of time. You know, I started with a, a five-hour eating window and so I would have all of my food within a five-hour eating window and then the rest of the time you're having um, just, you know, plain water, plain sparkling water, black coffee, plain tea. You don't want to have anything that has a lot of flavor or any kind of sweetener, even artificial sweetener. That's something that trips a lot of people up because it all goes back to what the brain thinks is happening. And if you're having something that's artificially sweetened, your brain doesn't understand that. So your brain tastes it and thinks, oh, we're, we're having something sweet, maybe some fruit. We're having something with sugar. So it releases the insulin in response to deal with the um, what it thinks is coming in. And so that actually keeps you from tapping into your fat stores as efficiently as you'd like to. So you got to keep the, the part of the day where you're not eating boring. And then when you eat, you, you eat the foods that make your body feel good within that five-hour eating window or four-hour eating window or six-hour eating window. That's the part that varies from person to person. You know, I said earlier, my husband does an eight-hour eating window he eats lunch and dinner every day. 
for me, I'd, I'd like to wait and only eat dinner. So I'll have a snack maybe in the, the late afternoon, and then later I'll have dinner. I usually eat within a five-hour eating window um, for the most part. That's just what feels best for me. I, I don't feel as well when I eat two you know, big meals in a day. So over time, you figure out what works for you, and it's not going to look the same for everybody. And, and it's not prescriptive, like here's what exactly you have to do. It's Hmm, how does this work for you and, and what feels right for your body? And then you get into that rhythm and then you get to the point eventually where if you ever have a day off for a special event or a special occasion or a vacation, you can't wait to get back to your normal um, intermittent fasting schedule because it just feels so much better. Now, what, what schedule do you follow when you do it? Um, so I've, I have two days where I just eat dinner. Okay. And um, and then sometimes on the weekend I I might eat later in the afternoon and not have breakfast. Um, right. It's not it's not every day. Um, I don't feel the need, but I also um, when I am having three meals, I make sure that they're five hours apart, and I don't have anything right. in between except water, um, just to keep the insulin level. That's actually how I started. So I first read about leptin probably about ten years ago, and that that was just the first um, introduction. I just cut out snacks. And um, that I lost 10 pounds just doing that. I didn't have to change anything else. I ate a very clean diet, but I had gone through a, a health journey with chronic Lyme. So my leptin was just messed up from being sick and, sick and probably from snacking, <laughs> to be right. honest. And uh, so just by changing that, eating three meals, I made sure I ate the calories in the day that I needed. Because um, when you change that kind of thing from snacking, you end up um, realizing your meals aren't big enough. And then I found I found a sense of freedom because I wasn't eating and tied to food. And then I found I could go longer than five hours, and I didn't feel that um, that as much fear around oh I've got to eat right now. And and I, I did find that there was a lot of healing that had happened with that. And then later, um, you know, when I when I talked to Dr. Jason Fung, um, I realized there was more to it than what I was had been doing for years, and that opened up my eyes. And and now I I I make sure and I actually feel like I get excited about those days you know it's also a day where I have more time in the morning because I'm not making breakfast right. so maybe that's it but but you know yeah. it it's uh, um, I, I really enjoy those days and I find I don't get hungry my work day is fine you know it, you know it doesn't interfere with my life at all to to be skipping meals and that that is the part that people just can't believe until they try it and and we hear it over and over again and you know, I do want to reiterate, it can be hard at first when people are starting the first week or two or even three. You know, people have lethargy and they're tired because your body is searching for that quick energy that you've been giving it. But if you just let your body um, get through that introductory period, it just gets so much easier. And then you like come out of the fog on the other side. That's really, you know, it just feels like yeah. coming out of the mist. <laughs> and your brain can work again. <laughs> well, one of the biggest things for me, and I actually did my first like full day fast just in preparation for that interview. Um, and um, I I skipped lunch and I didn't do it on a work day because I was very scared about what was going to happen. This is where that anxiety came in and where I realized all the anxiety I had because this, you know, 12 o'clock came and I was hungry and I panicked and I drank some water and then by one o'clock it was all gone and then the rest of the day went on and then I ate dinner <laughs> and I was like right. oh so so I, I've trained my body to eat lunch so at lunchtime it feels hungry and that made me realize this is a, a hormone reaction and I'm not hungry because I definitely have an abundance of food in my life and um you know, they're definitely not starving at all. And, um, and my life went on and I was better for it. That's awesome. Yeah. Our bodies just get used to having them, the food at a certain time. So it'll pump out that, like, ghrelin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay. And then, and then you don't eat and it's like, okay, didn't eat. All right. Never mind. <laughs> okay. Moving on. <laughs> I'm just yeah. going to, you know, deal with some of this fat <laughs> and then moving on. Yeah. But so, you know, that's the yeah. That people... People really need to understand it doesn't just keep building and building and getting worse and worse and worse. And that's the part we have to, you know, come to terms with. And, you know, I've learned hunger is not an emergency. No. Even if no it does, you know, pop by, it's going to go away. And you won't even yeah. be remember that you had it. 
yeah. And, and I, I mean, I think if we're having those insulin crashes, sometimes it is, um, it can definitely feel like that because that, that is not normal. But when you get into having stable diet and, and fasting and, and feeling good and you're not having the sugar that's making you go up and down all the time and the insulin spiking, um, you know, it feels very even and very, very healthy. Um, you know, yeah. I, I definitely, you know, now that I'm over that anxiety part, I definitely feel, you know, way better doing it. And I don't, I mean, I, I wasn't eating sugar at the time, so I wasn't getting those crashes that you described before, but I can see where when you go into it, having, you know, if you're having pop all the time and, and those sugary coffee drinks, I don't even think that's coffee. Um, and you're and you're eating that way. Of course, you are going to have a, a cycle your body has to adjust to. It's true. Yeah. So um, what is the, the first thing that you recommend that people do? Like, do you recommend they just stop snacking the way I had? Um, or, or is there something a little more dramatic? Well, there, you know, there, there are multiple ways you can um, adjust to an intermittent fasting lifestyle. And I, do, I have a chapter on um, this in the book about how to adjust to an eating window. And it really just depends on your style. You know, are you a rip off the band-aid kind of person? Some people like to just do it. And they're like, all right, I'm going to have my eating window. And they just start off and like get going. Other people like to take a more gradual approach where, you know, you just start off the first day, you skip breakfast and maybe have a snack mid morning. And then gradually you, you push that window back. And so you just have to really see what feels right to you as you're making that adjustment. Um, okay. And there's no one right way for everybody. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I, I like that you're, you're saying that because, you know, there, there isn't a right way for everybody and there, and um, we're, we're all different and our needs are different. And so some people were, you know, they might want breakfast and skip dinner. You're doing the opposite. Right. And, and really, people do have, um, you know, different bodies. Some people have a morning window. That does not work at all for me. <laughs> yeah. Some people feel better. They, they eat in the morning, and then they close their window, and then they don't eat the rest of the day, and they are just fine. I, I can't do that. Once my window is open, it's open until I go to bed. I have a hard time <laughs> closing it um, if I've eaten earlier. Although, I will say now that uh, that my body is better at running on different fuel sources, I, I now get the signal to stop eating. My body now tells me you've had mm. enough. So I don't just eat and eat and eat like I may have, you know, four years ago. That's yeah. changed a lot. But you find what works for you. And if the evening window doesn't work, try an afternoon window. And if that doesn't work, try a morning window and just see. You'll find your own rhythm okay. as you, as you uh, experiment. you got to experiment. Yeah. Exactly. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're talking today with Jen Stevens. We're discussing her books, Delay, Don't Deny, and Feast Without Fear. So we'll be back shortly. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you tired of the healthcare system only treating your symptoms and never addressing the root cause? Discover how integrative medicine can resolve health issues through dietary and lifestyle changes and the use of natural supplements. Increase your energy, memory, mood, immune system, sexuality, and more. Join Dr. Sunil Pai and Maureen Sutton to help you take back your health with natural evidence-based solutions. Tune in every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. Addiction can affect our relationships, our families, our home, and work lives. But most importantly, ourselves. The recovery process can do wonders in the lives of people suffering from active addiction and also for those that love them. It's not just 12-step programs, but so much more. It's learning how to live life on life's terms. If you can relate to these issues or love someone who does, start with yourself. Start by tuning in to Miracles in Recovery with host Ray Lynch, Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Hope is in your corner. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Jen Stevens. She's the author of the books Delay, Don't Deny, and Feast Without Fear. So, Jen, um, one thing you talk about um, in your books is um, food fear in the modern era. So what does that mean? Yeah, that's um, such a big a big problem these days. Again, I mentioned my husband, and he has never dieted, so he thinks that this is just nuts. But if you've been around the diet community for any length of time, you know, as I have and as you have, people just really have heard so much dietary dogma that they're really confused. And in my second book, Feast Without Fear, I realized that we needed something that talked about, you know, what is really the best thing for us to eat? You know, there has to be like one best way to eat, right? Science knows things, and so we should be able to figure it out, you know, because we've got one camp that's afraid of eating anything with carbs, We've got another camp that's afraid of eating anything, you know, anything with fat. And we've got people who are afraid of eating, you know, any animal products. So, um, you know, every different side and, you know, what we might call the diet wars is convinced that they're right. They have the one true way of eating and everybody else is wrong. And we were running into this in our Facebook support groups a lot. You know, someone who followed a certain way of eating and then would try to tell everybody else that that's what they should do as well as how they, what foods they should choose. So I started researching and really learned that there is, surprise, surprise, no one right way to eat that works for everybody. And it has to do with the way that we're all unique. Of course, we have genetic differences. Um you know, there's a genetic link, for example, as to whether or not you can tolerate dairy. And a lot of the world has a genetic um, profile that, that means they actually cannot do well with dairy, whereas there are other people that do fine with it. And it, it's based on the genetics. And then I mentioned the gut microbiome earlier. That's another way that we're different. You know, depending on what your gut is populated with, that, that may determine what foods work well for you or if you have you know, certain gut problems like leaky gut or or things like that, um, you may not be able to tolerate certain foods that other people can. And so um, it's really, even when it comes to food, you know, I talked about with fasting, you have to find what works for you. The same is true with food. And I really, I have a a theory now that every diet book that, that is very extreme that tells you to avoid a certain something or other is written by somebody who that works very well for. You know, the, the person who wrote, wrote um, the book about, you know, don't eat fat at all, you should just eat this one way, that is how that person feels best. So then they, they develop a plan that that makes them feel great, and they assume it's going to work for everybody else. And then you've got the exact 180-degree diet that someone else has done, also probably a doctor. These are all developed by doctors. And this is the way they feel best. And so they say, well, this is how everyone should eat. And, you know, they find studies and everything's based on research, but yet they're, you know, completely opposite. And so how can this all be true? So in the meantime, those of us who are just trying to live our lives and lose some weight read this one diet book that says, you know, don't eat grains, don't eat beans, don't eat plants, and plants are trying to kill you. And then there's this other diet book that says you should only eat plants and only eat grains and only eat beans. And so really people are afraid of food. And, you know, my husband doesn't understand it. I'm like, you know, there are a lot of people who won't eat bread. And he's like, what? Won't eat bread? I'm like, yeah. (laughs) 
but but the people who don't eat bread really some people don't do well with bread and they shouldn't eat bread and and that's okay too so there really are no one size fits all dietary recommendations and that's the hardest thing I think we have to reconcile as as a world community. There are people living a healthy life all over this globe, eating in vastly different ways. I think the key comes down to eating real food. You know, if we eat real food and and can pay attention to how our bodies feel, you'll be able to figure out what works for you. And so instead of being afraid and listening to someone else's dietary recommendations, your body is the expert on what works for you, and you'll learn over time what foods make you feel good and, and take back the power. I think that's my message in Feast Without Fear is that you can take back the power yourself and know what foods work for your body better than well, anybody you, else. Well, you know, and I, I definitely agree with that. You know, there's a, a diet we do in our office which, which actually takes people's blood work and their diagnoses and everybody that comes through actually has a different food prescription and it's very rare to see them the same and I think that's amazing because you know before we did that um, I just recommended avoiding a few things that I know um, cause inflammation and I only got stricter with people if I um, saw a need to because you know, if you're eating real food, generally, I think that things can can heal over time. Um, but right. if you're eating fast food and you're eating processed food, you know, you're not eating real food. You're not getting the nutrients you need. And I and, and I don't even know how people's bodies can process those things. I, know. I mean, you know, it, they must feel horrible. Um, you know, and I think that that's something that we need to go back to and embrace. And you know, when I when I talk to people about just eating real food, that even gets eat them up. I mean, they're like, what, you know, I have to eat vegetables. I, you know, so yeah. we have all this fear around food, but really we need to just go back to our basics and, and, and stop, you know, stop eating the, the unnatural things and, and just go back to the real stuff. It's true. And a lot of it is, is coming from the media. Um, somebody posted something in the Facebook group that was really funny. It was like a, the same exact magazine had an article about how coffee was like going to make you so healthy. It was the best thing in the world for you. Coffee, magical coffee. And that same as that magazine had an article about how coffee was bad. <laughs> Not <how> coffee, <laughs> coffee is linked to all these negative health outcomes. We're like, no wonder we're confused. You know, the message, yes. coffee is the hero of the diet. Coffee is the worst thing you can have, but it's the same magazine putting out the information. So, you know, before you know it, you're afraid of anything. Well, and that that can definitely happen. And, you know, we found over time in doing, you know, hundreds of these interviews, I've found um, we have been misled. And there's a lot of stuff that we don't understand that goes on in the background. So, you know, the whole low-fat era, which we now know to be false, was um, – right you know, was just something that wasn't supposed to happen, but people weren't allowed to do studies to the opposite at the time. And, you know, and it, it just seems to me that we're kind of caught up in some of that. And, you know, just the sensationalism of of talking about coffee or every year there's something comes out about chocolate. So, okay, we know. We know what you guys think about it, but can we talk about, you know, fast food? <laughs> can we talk about right. what, you know, the, the additives in our food and, and just, um, getting all those chemicals out so that when we're eating lettuce, we're not eating pesticides. And all that stuff is so detrimental for our gut microbiomes as well. And so, you know, the, the pesticides and the, you know, the antibiotics, they, they kill off the good gut guys that we want to have down there helping us be healthy. So it's just such a, um, a vicious cycle. So when, when you're um, recommending people to, to do fasting, are you um, talking about this? Like, how, like how do you talk, approach this part of the conversation of what to eat in your window? Well, really, I, we, we tell people, you know, that's really up to you as far as what you want to eat in your window. And over time, you will figure out what does not work. Um, People come in with a lot of preconceived notions about what, what they should be eating, what they shouldn't be eating. But over time, your body really will guide you towards what works for you. My, my, what I eat has changed like 180. You know, I used to, um, I, I'm one of those people, I ate 
fast food a lot. <laughs> and that was just something that I, I had all the time. And now if someone told me I had to eat fast food, I would be mad at them. I would say, no, I'll just wait till later until there's something better. My body doesn't like it. My body has let me know. Um, and it's really kind of a process. You know, we don't tell people to change what they're eating at first. You know, you're, you're just trying to, to fast. And you, you start with the fast and then start paying attention to what foods you're drawn towards and what foods make you feel good. And you see people, you know, we share what we eat. We post photos of our meals. We celebrate the, the feast every bit, every bit as much as the fast. And I love watching members over time. They'll start off and you see what they're eating, and then it just gradually starts to shift, and you see that they're making different choices. You haven't told them to. You know, you haven't said, oh, you should not be eating those Doritos or whatever, but they just gradually, you see the salad coming in. You see more vegetables coming in, and they've got the power to do that themselves, and it's, it's a journey of, of self-discovery more than anything else with so- what to eat. What do you think is happening while while somebody's you know doing the fasting consistently in their body? Like, is there something that that's healing in them that's making them crave different things, or, or what's going on there? So many things are going on. Yes, one thing that happens is your your gut microbiome changes. Um, there have been some studies on fasting and the gut microbiome, and it's actually conducive to um, promoting the the good gut bacteria that we want. That that's fasting is good for that. But as you are fasting, your body goes through a lot of hormonal changes. You become less insulin resistant. Um, you lose your leptin resistance. You start connecting with what foods make you feel good. And your body starts crying out for nutrients. And those signals were always there. I mean, we've all heard stories of, you know, like a pregnant woman who starts craving something weird and it's because it's a nutrient her body needs. Or like the people who have a certain disease and they start to crave chalk or something because their body is, is telling them you need this. But with all the processed foods and the eating all day, we've lost those signals. But when you go to intermittent fasting, it, it just enables you to reconnect with them. And so... You know, you're looking, you're like, ooh, that kale, that looks good. <laughs> and <laughs> all of a sudden, you, you realize your body is directing you to have this, this food, and then you suddenly like something you didn't ever eat before. But your body has a lot of this feedback designed in there that we just need to learn to listen to again, and intermittent fasting helps us to do that. Well, you know, that that sounds amazing as well, because I'm sure that there's a lot of people in the situation that you were in when they started where you didn't want to change right. your, your fast food eating. But, you know, when you look at, OK, well, if I do this fasting, I can eat whatever I want. And then you find over time that your 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 body has changed and your tastes have changed as well. And that's the magic of it. And and the whole point that, of why we don't tell people what they should eat. And I'm very firm about that. You know, we don't do anything, any food shame we call it you know if someone's eating mm-hmm. you know take out pizza we don't say you should probably not eat that you know in about a, a you know a few months from now they will probably lose their taste for it naturally not because we told them to and that's the magic yeah well and it, yeah definitely I think we could talk about this a lot more um, but is there any last advice you have for anybody who's thinking about getting started on this yes Um the key to making this work is really the fast. The magic happens in the fast. Um, so you really want to make sure that you're keeping, we call, we, we've coined a phrase called the clean fast in our Facebook groups. And, you know, we don't make you eat clean, but we do want you to fast clean. And so you don't want to have anything that is likely to spike your insulin. So stick to black coffee, plain tea, plain water. You can have sparkling water, but it needs to be plain. You know, avoid all the flavors. You don't want anything that your body is going to think comes with a caloric load. Anything that's sweet, even if it's zero calorie, you don't want it. And the biggest roadblock for people is honestly what they can put in their coffee. Don't put anything in your coffee. (laughs) You don't want to put anything, you don't want to put in cream. You don't want to put in, you don't want to have bulletproof coffee. You don't want to have any of that, you want to just have the plain black coffee. And they're like, well, what about just a little, you know, almond milk? No. <laughs> what about just a little cream? No. 
you really want to, to get the magic from the fasted state. Well, you know, what about a little broth? No. You're, you want to experience the benefits of the clean fast. And that was the thing that I did wrong for so long. You know, I was using stevia in my coffee, and it was vanilla-flavored stevia, and it was sweet. And um, the difference when I let, when I learned after I, I read the Obesity Code by Dr. Jason Funk in 2016, and that changed everything for me because I didn't quite understand the insulin connection until I read his book and started you know reading the studies he talked about and realized, oh my gosh, no wonder. You know, I was still white knuckling it to get to the end of my fasting time, and you know, you're jumping into the food as soon as my window was open. But once I learned about having a clean fast, it became so much easier. So you think that you need these things. You think that the diet soda is helping you get through the day. You think that the cream in your coffee, you know, helps you. It's really actually making it harder, and you just don't know it. People, once they give it up, once people go to the clean fast, they're like, oh, <laughs> they realize. <laughs> oh, and then they, they don't ever go back. No one ever goes back. <laughs> yeah. So um, is there any way that people who want more information can get a hold of you or your books? Absolutely. I have a website. It's jenstevens.com, and it's Jen, G-I-N, and then Stevens with a P-H. And on that website, you can find um, you can find links to my books. You can also find um, my blog is there. Also, if you're, if you're looking for my books, it's available on whatever Amazon serves your, your country. You can get the paperback books that way. Also, any ebook retailer, anywhere you, any ebook platform you like to use, you can find Delay, Don't Deny, and Feast Without Fear there. If you're interested in joining a support group that's very positive and upbeat and supportive, <laughs> we don't allow any kind of negativity, um, look for Delay, Don't Deny, um, Intermittent Fasting Support on Facebook. And um, when you try to join a, a Facebook support group these days, there are membership questions that you have to answer. Make sure to answer all three of them if you would like to have your membership approved. And we would love to see people in our Facebook support group. And you, know, you can mention that you heard me on the radio show. And that would be great, too. But you don't have to mention that. Just answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, perfect. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. All right. Well, and I want to thank everybody for listening today. We were talking with Jen Stevens. We were discussing her books, Delay, Don't Deny, and Feast Without Fear. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week. 